we, uh, we actually get to enact the gospel um, through concrete symbols to receive the gospel of Jesus. And so before we get into that, we're just going to study together for a little bit. This is actually part three, the last part of our bodybuilding seminar. Um, so you're going to learn some best practices of calisthenics to do at home, things like that. Now, we're actually going to be, uh, we've been looking at the body of Christ, bodybuilding. So this is part three. You know, we've looked at unity in the body. We've looked at humility in the body. We've also even looked a little bit last week at, um, you know, gifts, the varieties of spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. And hopefully that has just been enough. I mean, we've only scratched the surface, but hopefully it's been enough for you to just kind of start studying and seeking God to understand your own spiritual giftedness, your own unique wiring that you, in fact, are made in the image of God to be a, a workmanship of His, uniquely crafted and tailor-made for acts of service that he has created just for you, for people to reach that only you can reach. This week, uh, as we study a little bit, we're going to focus on the movement of God's body, okay? The movement, or you could say the mission of God's body. Uh, There's something that uh, my son Jaden likes to do uh, probably at least once a day. He's taking a nap now, so he's, he's, uh, he's, I didn't, I'll tell him about this story later. Anyways, at least once a day, he will ask me to watch a nature video. I don't know if you have kids who are animal lovers, but Jaden is one. He actually asks me to draw animals for him, and I try uh, with some success with tracing and things like that. <laughs> but every day, he'll ask me to watch a nature video. And um, so we'll go on YouTube, and we'll like, what animal are you thinking about? Often it's snakes or cheetahs or things like that. And so we'll YouTube some videos, kid-appropriate, Sometimes we're surprised. Anyways, <laughs> but um, a couple of weeks ago, we actually ran across some interesting uh, video clips about migrations, animal migrations. I don't know if you're aware, but there are certain animals that migrate for miles and miles on end. And it's only been recently that people, uh, you know, naturalists have actually been able to track the movements of certain animals. Uh, for example, up in Wyoming, near Yellowstone, just on the fringes of Yellowstone Park, you've got herds of elk that travel up and down amazing terrain just to get to food or water or their home place, you know, what, what they would call home. And there are just these amazing maps that you can see of these elk migrations. Um, recently, we came across a mountain lion tracker, and you could kind of see, I mean, the, the con- uh, I don't know what his title is, the animal guy that was <laughs> kind of collecting all the data. He was just like talking to the camera about how amazed he was. These animals are so intelligent. I mean, they, they call mountain lions the, um, the Bigfoot of cats. You know, you, you don't really know what they're about and what, they're, what they do. But you learn so much just based on the simple movements of animals. And you kind of learn a lot about your own movements, too. When you start tracking your steps, Dave, you remember we were tracking steps? You realize how sedate of a lifestyle you live. <laughs> um, you know, there are certain things that when you track movements, you learn a lot about individuals, what their patterns are, what's important to them. And if you've ever Googled the movements of Jesus, you'll be amazed. I Googled this uh, just a couple days ago. How many miles did Jesus walk when he was here on earth? Because I mean, really, they didn't have, you know, modern transportation. They didn't have your Teslas to supercharge from station to station or whatever. You had to walk from A to B. And one estimate, a conservative estimate, says 3,125 miles just in the time of his public ministry. That's pretty incredible. And when you see Jesus moving, you see him moving 
not just for the sake of getting his steps in, but you see him moving for the sake of helping people. There are certain times where you see him going to a city and through certain cities in order to meet an individual. Like in John chapter 4, it says he had to go through Samaria. Jews didn't have to go through Samaria. They didn't want to go through, but Jesus had to go this way. Why? Because he wanted to meet someone there, right? Jesus, when he walked, he went about, he moved in order to save. He moved in order to heal. In fact, in Matthew chapter 9, it says that he went about all the towns and villages, healing the sick, preaching the good news. In Acts chapter 10, when Peter is preaching to Cornelius, he says the same thing. Man, Jesus went about doing good. So when you look at the body of Jesus, the physical body of Jesus, he moved. That body moved, but not just for the sake of physical activity. That body moved for the sake of mission. Do you follow me? When the body of Christ moves, he moves to heal. He moves to reach. He moves to bless. And he moves to save. What then, when the spiritual body of Christ moves... Do we move to heal and bless and seek and save? Do you follow me today? That's what we're looking at. And so today we're going to look at one particular story, maybe two. Um, Yeah, two. (laughs) We're going to look at a story or two that demonstrates how, how then do we as the body of Christ, not just the physical body, but the spiritual body of Christ, how do we move on mission for Jesus? All right, so let's go to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 14, familiar story. Maybe you grew up hearing this story as a child. Actually, in our kids' Sabbath school over here, we were just reading about this story. Matthew chapter 14, it's the feeding of the 5,000. Every single gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all record this story. John actually emphasizes the little lad who is bringing his lunch. But in Matthew and Mark and Luke, it's it's less about the little lad who gives up his lunch and more about the disciples who are used by God to bless others with a lunch. All right, so we're in Matthew chapter 14. If you're there, say amen. Just spend a few moments here, starting in verse 32. Matthew chapter 14. The Bible says, I'm reading from the New King James. The Bible says, Now, Jesus called his disciples to himself, and he said, I have what? I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now continued with me three days, And have nothing to eat. Man, when Jesus was moving, he was moving, okay? He didn't often think about, you know, packing the trunk load of uh, camp supplies or whatever. But he knew that God was going to provide. And then there were people along the way that were apparently going just for the ride too. The rest of verse 32 says, And I do not want to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Matthew chapter 14. I'm sorry. I'm I'm looking at Matthew 15, and I'm reading the feeding of the 4,000. I should be reading Matthew 14, the feeding of the 5,000. I'm sorry. Okay, we're starting in Matthew chapter 14. Thanks. This is why we have amazing wives. Okay. (laughs) Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 13. All right. Is everybody there? Yeah? Matthew 14, verse 13. You guys are so gracious to me, not like correcting me or giving me weird looks or anything like that. All right, Matthew 14, verse 13. The Bible says this. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the city. So again, when Jesus is moving, people want to move too. 
Verse 14, and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them. He healed their sick. I love these pictures of Jesus, just their picture of compassion. Verse 15, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves some food. So when Jesus looks at people, he sees their need, right? And he wants to minister to it. Apparently when the disciples saw the people, they saw a nuisance. They said, okay, we, we want rest. They probably want rest too, so send them away. <laughs> Shoo them away. But notice what Jesus says. Verse 16, but Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. You do it. You see a need. Don't just send them away to fulfill their own need. You see a need, be a blessing. You see a need, you're my body, move. Move, get moving. You give them something to eat. What the people need is right there. It's within their reach, apparently, according to the perspective of Jesus, but not according to the perspective of the disciples. And so the story continues. Verse 17. And how many times have we ever said this to Jesus? And they said to him, we have here only... A, B, and C. When we sense a need and we know that that need needs to be fulfilled, we look to ourselves and we say, ah, oh, man, I, I, I don't have anything to, to, to offer here. The disciples said, we have here only five loaves and two fish. Were the disciples being honest, yes or no? Yeah, yeah, they were being honest. But were they being believing? Probably not. They were speaking the truth, but they weren't speaking faith. I think we sometimes get that problem in the body of Christ, too. We say, no, I don't have the spiritual gift for this. Yeah, Moses said the same thing. I I can't really speak. But God was still sending him. We may not have the current experience or skill, but if we have Jesus, we've got everything we need to supply to the starving multitudes. To admit our lack may be honest, But to ignore God's supply is to be unbelieving. So his commission in verse 16, you know, you give them something to eat, was really a promise from the Lord Almighty. It was a promise to fill their hands with the supply for the multitude. And he is going to supply. Maybe you feel a need in your neighborhood or in your household or in in your workplace. You feel a need to impact. You feel a need to bless, to spiritually shape someone's life. But you don't have anything to offer. You don't have the experience. You don't have the giftedness, the words to say, or whatever the case might be. But God's going to supply that. You may have only this. But you know what? The Jesus that you serve has much, much more. He's going to supply the spiritual gifts, the experience, the words and season, the resources to help, the courage to actually do something about it, the timing for those conversations. He's going to supply it. And Jesus' actions uh, in verse 18, he says, first he says this, bring them here to me. I love that. Whatever your little supply is, he says, bring it to me, consecrate it to me. I'll take care of it from here. And then in verse 19, there's some signature moves of Jesus, so to speak. There's uh, some very uh, signature actions that he takes. I want to look at this for a second. In verse 19, it says, then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass And he took the five loaves and the two fish, so that little supply, the only that we have. Notice what Jesus does, the actions here. And looking up to heaven, number one, he blessed, number two, and broke, number three. And what's the fourth thing? 
and gave the loaves to who? To the disciples. Who needed the loaves? <laughs> the multitudes. But he gave the loaves to his body. He took, he blessed, he broke, he gave the loaves to the disciples. And notice what the disciples do. The disciples gave to the multitudes. This is a template for ministry right here. This is a template for the body that's moving back and forth to the supply, to those who need the supply. Yeah? The key point that I want us to to zero in on is that the disciples were, in fact, able to give the multitude something. How were the disciples able to give the multitudes food as they went to Jesus to receive it? Right? Key point here, simple line, but it's significant truth. The disciples were only able to give to the crowds as they were willing to receive from Jesus. The body of Christ is only able to give to the world as we are able to receive from Jesus. You talk about the movements of Jesus. He went back and forth to heal and to bless. The body of Christ continues to move towards people's needs even when we don't feel like we have, or even if we have empty pockets and we don't have much to offer, Jesus says, no, no, no. You can come to me and then go from me. You can receive from me and take from me. You will be able to give them something to eat. Just come to me first. The disciples were only able to give to the crowds as they were willing to receive from Jesus. So here's the picture of the body moving on mission. Back and forth between Jesus and the multitudes they were serving, taking and giving, receiving and sharing. And this is the template for effective missionary service today. The body of Christ will continue to move, will continue to offer bread to the world. I'm telling you, God has chosen us to be agents. God has chosen us to be waiters, if you will. For those of you who are in food service, you understand what it is. You're taking it from the kitchen, you're bringing it to the table. You didn't make the food, but you know what? You brought it. And that's what the body of Christ is, really. Ministry, I don't know if you realize this, but the Greek word for ministry actually means to wait on tables. Did you know that? The Greek word for deacon, that's the same word that we get for uh, the word for, for ministry, it's to, it's to wait on tables. You and I are not the cooks. That's God's business. He supplies, we bring. And the movement of the body of Christ is just to keep going back to the kitchen so we can keep serving the world. Are we following today? Ah, man, that's, it, simpl- it simplifies things. Maybe you're thinking, oh man, but what are my spiritual gifts? What path do I take to, to, to feed, to, to bless, to, to minister? Just go to Jesus and he'll give you exactly what you need. <laughs> God has chosen us as agents and waiters through whom he can bless and feed the world. All the stuff he's cooking up. All the salvation, all the forgiveness, all the peace, all the joy, all the healing, all the hope. You and I don't have to muster that up. We just need to receive it from Jesus so we can give it to others. To be the body of Christ is to extend all the blessings of salvation to the world, starving for a knowledge of Jesus. So when Jesus took the bread and he blessed the bread and he broke the bread, he gave it to the disciples so the disciples could give it to the multitudes. You know, this isn't the only story where Jesus took bread, blessed bread, broke bread, and then gave it to the disciples. If you just turn a few chapters later, you're in chapter 14. Go to Matthew chapter 26. 
In Matthew chapter 26, another time in which Jesus engages these signature moves. Matthew 26, beginning in verse 26. And I'm looking at the right chapter this time. All right. <laughs> if you're there, say amen. All right, Matthew 26, 26. The Bible says this. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to who? And he gave it to the disciples again, right? He gave it to the disciples again. Except what did the disciples do with the bread this time? He said, take, eat. This is my body. You know, that picture of Jesus feeding the multitudes, having the the 5,000 plus in front of them, he gave bread to the disciples to give it to other people. But here, in the intimacy of the upper room, he gives bread to the disciples and he says, you know what, in just a little bit, I'm going to send you out into the world to make disciples. But first, would you please take this and eat it yourself? I think Jesus understands something, that we have the tendency to, to be really good waiters, but to never feed ourselves. And that would be a, a really sad restaurant, right? <laughs> when, you've got, when you've got food service coming your way and it's great, and then you ask, hey, I mean, what would you recommend from this menu? And you have no idea. You have no idea how good that veggie burger is, right? <laughs> you have no idea how good this or that is because you've never tasted it for yourself. And Jesus wants us to be the kinds of waiters who have taken and eaten for ourselves. Not that we take other people's food, so that we give them empty plates? No, but that we have a personal experience with the power of the gospel. Before the disciples were prepared to fulfill their mission to the world, Jesus gave the disciples specific instruction to first be consumers. This is really interesting. To consume the emblems of his body and blood, to personally ingest the benefits of his infinite sacrifice. Is it possible that the message of the gospel, you know, this bread of heaven that we feel like the world needs, is it possible that it passes so easily through our hands but it never penetrates our hearts? Jesus wants us to take and eat. So in the upper room, Jesus was bringing the disciples, basically he was bringing the disciples back to to ground zero of effective ministry. We can only give what we have received. Personally, not just in our hands, but but in our hearts, in our heads. In order for us to give the bread of life, we must receive the bread of life. And I know that we're kind of crossing metaphors a little bit because this bread is like the body of Christ and we've been talking about, you know, serving as the body of Christ and things like that. But but follow me. In order for us to be the body of Christ, you know, ministers for Jesus, missionaries for Jesus, in order for us to be the body of Christ, we must receive the body of Christ for ourselves. Does that confuse the metaphors a little bit? In order for us to really do mission and ministry for Jesus, in order for us to share the gospel of Jesus, we've got to be transformed by the gospel ourselves. Why is this so? Um, Hopefully it's self-explanatory. And it's not just about offering good service, uh, food service or whatever. But I think the answer is simply this. When you and I receive Jesus, we receive new life in Jesus, right? John chapter 1, verse 12. To as many as received him, to them he gave power to become sons of God. When we receive Jesus for ourselves, there's a transforming impact in our lives. 
When Jesus said to the twelve, hey, take this and eat it, he was inviting them to receive the gospel and be changed by it. In other words, before you go out to talk about the gospel with other people, would you please be changed by it? The gospel doesn't need better information. I'm sorry, the world doesn't need better information. The world needs a revelation. It's okay to say amen, okay? If you, <laughs> it really, the, the world doesn't need better information. The world needs a revelation of what the gospel can do in someone's life. The reason why Jesus wants us to take and eat is because he doesn't want people to receive the bread of life uh, apart from a revelation of what that bread does in your life. We can give the gospel and say, this is what Jesus does. He forgives your sins. And yet, be so messed up inside that that gospel totally contradicts the very life that's bringing it. Friends, we need to be changed by the gospel in order to give the gospel. (sighs) Our effectiveness in sharing the gospel of Christ is maximized when we've been transformed by the gospel of Christ. And I would say the flip side is true too. Our effectiveness in sharing the gospel of Christ is minimized when we have not been transformed by the gospel of Christ. Our ability to reveal the love of Jesus is directly related to our capacity to receive the love of Jesus. And so, uh, simple appeal today. Let's be givers, but let's be givers who have been receivers. Yeah? Let's be those waiters who know exactly what's on the menu. God is inviting us to come to the Lord's table today to take and eat and drink so that we can receive all that Jesus offers us. So in order for the church, the body of Christ, to keep moving on mission, I don't know, maybe you will go 3,125 miles. (laughs) But in order for us to keep moving on mission, to go about doing good, to feed the multitudes, to meet needs all around us, we've got to keep going back and forth from the kitchen to the tables. Let's commit to receiving all so we can truly give all in service for Jesus. So today what we're going to do, we're going to break in just a few moments here for foot washing. And we're going to serve the, the, the bread and the juice as symbols of, of Christ's body and blood. And here's my simple appeal. To not just do this as routine, to not just do this as something to do every three months or so, but to do this as an acceptance of the invitation of Jesus. Yes, I am going to be a receiver so I can be a giver. For those of you who are young, you've got your parents here with you. I want you to take this as a, as a teaching moment, as an opportunity to understand the gospel. And I'll leave it up to the parents or guardians who are here to, to decide the, the level of participation and stuff. But this is an opportunity to teach the gospel. That bread, whoa, this is Jesus' body that was broken. This juice, it only came as it was crushed. I mean, this is the love of Jesus that came as he was broken and as he was crushed. The foot washing is a symbol of Jesus' cleansing power to let us walk in newness of life. Okay, this is awesome teaching moments, okay? So here's what we'll do, simple instructions. Um, For those of you who want to partner with uh, sister to sister, ladies, um, we'll have space over here. Gentlemen, you'll have space over there. For those of you who want to do this as a family, Uh, we'll get creative in moving things around here, okay? And then when we're all done, uh, we'll just kind of put things away. 
Justin and Ruben will be helping us uh, get the water and into the basins and dumping them and things like that. And we'll come back here and we'll distribute the bread and juice for the final component of that. All right, so let's pray together that we would be receivers. Father in heaven, thanks so much for the opportunity to, uh, to come. You know, we've been talking about mission and ministry and doing and giving, but really we have nothing to give if we haven't received. And so thanks for the opportunity to make it tangible and real. I pray for those of us here who... Um, maybe have been, become familiar with serving the gospel, but uh, where we realize that there are times where we neglect to receive the gospel. And so in this season, right now, we're asking for just a, a special measure of your Holy Spirit to make this real. That these actions, though outward, would have an impact inward. So thank you for those of us who are doing this for the, maybe the first time. And if there's a level of awkwardness, I, I pray, God, that, that you would just give us the ability to rest and relax and just receive what you have to offer to us. So thank you that we get to do this as a family. We pray in Jesus' name.